0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Aaron Sorkin returns to tell the story of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I always love it when I can say, is back, returns. And I always love it when it's someone of the caliber of Aaron Sorkin, I can say that about. Um, it was a real, real honor to have him on the podcast about, I don't know, 12, 14 months ago, talking about the trial of the Chicago 7, and kind of an even bigger honor that he came back, because that means I'm doing something right, and he's making good movies, and we're all happy. <laughs> and I think you will be too, after he- you hear this conversation. Uh, as I said to him, it's always kind of like a master class. In writing and directing and filmmaking, storytelling, um, when you talk to Aaron Sorkin, uh, he it's just pearl after pearl. And yes, I'm in the tank for Aaron Sorkin, guilty as charged, but I've always loved his screenwriting, his television shows, and now the films he's been directing. Molly's Game, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and his latest being The Ricardos. If you don't know about being the Ricardos, here's the deal. This is basically uh, a story of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, of course known as the real-life couple that made I Love Lucy. What you may not know is that Lucy Ricardo, the character Lucille Ball played, and I didn't realize this, was such an extreme character for her. I mean, I guess in retrospect that's obvious when you look at the show. It's a heightened kind of character. But to see this movie, you see... Um, the difference. So striking, so evident. And you see it in Nicole Kidman's brilliant performance as both Lucille Ball and, yes, Lucy Ricardo in bits and pieces on the show. This film tells the story of one week in the production of the show. Uh, Certain events are collapsed and conflated for dramatic purpose. uh, And this guy knows what he's doing. It works in the end. Javier Bardem excellent and an amazing uh ensemble behind uh, them alia shakad and tony hale um it's a it's another fine piece of work by mr aaron sorkin and um it's going to be available on amazon prime i believe it's december 21st it's in theaters uh this week december 10th so see it in a the theater see it on prime however you like see being the ricardos uh this is a great chat We talk comfort movies, of course, and when you get a filmmaker like Aaron Sorkin who can really dig in onto why something is great from a screenwriting perspective, that's just gold. So you'll enjoy that. Um, We'll talk a little bit about, you know, the status of that social network sequel he teased with me over a year ago, and a whole lot more. Other things to mention. Well, there's a lot going on, guys. I... Wow, I'm just now that I'm thinking about it, there is a lot to update you guys on. Um, I'll try to make it brief because I, I know you guys will probably want to hear the main event with Aaron Sorkin. But first things first, December sixteenth. Do you have your tickets yet, guys? The happy, sad, confused holiday benefit happening live, four PM Eastern Time with Tom Hiddleston. Guys, this is a, a no-lose situation for everybody. It's for charity. Every single dollar goes to charity. It's me and Tom Hiddleston talking live. That'll be fun. Um, we've got some surprises up our sleeves. We've got free uh, giveaways. We're gonna give away a few autographed uh, pieces of merch from Tom Hiddleston himself. Uh, we're gonna take some fan questions. It's going to be awesome. How do you get tickets? I'm gonna put all the link, the link to all of that in my bio uh, or just go over to Symphony Space. New York's Symphony Space website, and you'll see it on their calendar. You can purchase tickets there. By the way, if you are a member of the Happy Sad Confused Patreon, uh, there's a discount. So go over there, look for the post about this event. You'll see the uh, the discount code, enter that in. You get a f- few bucks off of the event. So uh, I really hope you guys will be there. A, because it's, it's supporting some causes that are really near and dear to me, but B, I just wanna see a packed virtual house uh, for me and Tom, and it's gonna be a blast. I promise you. Um, Man, where to begin on the other stuff that's going on? Well, I I had a a crazy day the other day, guys. Um, I moderated three different in-person events for the new Adam McKay film, Don't Look Up. Um, Don't Look Up is this hysterical and also terrifying (laughs) new film from Adam uh, about a comet heading towards Earth. And two astronomers who are just desperate to get the world to pay attention. Uh, those two astronomers are played by none other than Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. So, yeah, I basically spent the day with Adam McKay, who I love beyond words. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, and Jonah Hill. So, Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> that was insane. I mean, look, I've done a lot with those guys, but I'm still not going to act like it's just like a chill day when you're hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, so fun. So yeah, I, I don't know if the, these, unfortunately these Q&As will be available anywhere. If I if I find out they are, needless to say, I will let you guys know. Um, one of them was for the Directors Guild. One was a press conference. Um, one was for Screen Actors Guild. It's the season where they do all these amazing events. It was it was just fantastic a to be with this caliber of of talent um but also to be in front of live crowds which I love and there's more of this to come I'm doing a couple more events next week um I also... God, this is going to sound insane. It's, you know, some intros you don't have much to say. You're just like, ah, oh, there's some good, good new movies out there. Enjoy the podcast. This is one of those weeks where I have so much. I also just came from an event, guys, where I moderated a conversation with Daniel Craig <laughs> about No Time to Die. This was his first conversation, public conversation, since No Time to Die has come out. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's some stuff in No Time to Die worth talking about. So, again... If there's a way for me to share it, I promise I will. But just suffice it to say, um, this was pretty cool. Uh, uh, I chatted with him, Barbara Broccoli, the producer, Kari Fukunaga, the director, and Rami Malek. Um, so yeah, what can I say? I've I've had a really fun, uh, busy week, and and more to come before the holidays. Uh, you know, hopefully give me and all of you guys a breather. Um, also want to mention we've got a great Comedy Central uh, episode, kind of a sketch we did. Not kind of. It is a sketch with Haley Steinfeld that's dropping any day now. I will keep you posted. Um, A great uh, opportunity coming up with MTV about the Spider-Man films. I'll keep you posted on that. And, oh, man, what else? Is there anything else? I don't know. You can tell. I'm busy. I'm excited but busy um i hope you guys enjoy this chat with aaron sorkin as you guys know i love geeking out with filmmakers i i adore and respect and he is at the top of the list seek out being the ricardos um and in the meantime enjoy this chat with the one and only aaron sorkin i am very pleased to welcome mr aaron sorkin back to happy second fused yes he's a glutton for punishment this either means that um he's just lowered his standards or maybe he's made another great movie and I didn't fuck up the first time Aaron welcome back to the podcast
1: it's good to be with you Josh
0: <laughs> congratulations on the film I have a lot of questions about being the Ricardos but if you'll indulge me before we get to that I, I mm-hmm. when I was reading up uh, on you and refreshing a couple things popped up that I have to ask you about one is that when you were a playwright you and you were considering Um, or maybe not even considering turning to screenwriting a film you saw registered with you as, as an entry point, which was broadcast news. Yeah. Um, That's a film that I hold very dear. I know many people do. It's kind of a perfect movie for me. Uh, I'm just curious what you saw in that movie that enlivened or, or opened the world of screenwriting up to you.
1: For some reason, even though I'd seen plenty of movies before, uh, with, with, um, with, with great writing, uh, okay? You know, all, all About Eve, um, uh, uh, 12 Angry Men. Even though I'd seen plenty of movies before with great writing, for some reason on that day, sitting in that theater, watching broadcast news, it was the first time I got the same feeling I got f- watching a play, okay? Uh, where I wanted to be the person who wrote it. I just never thought about movies that way. Uh and uh and I did watching broadcast news. Uh was, so I, I owe a lot to Jim Brooks.
0: was was Jane Craig the proto uh walk and talker? I mean basically the entire film she's she's in motion. I feel like she is the proto Aaron Sorkin
1: character in a ways. Uh yeah, you know, um uh, that's pretty good proof that uh I I didn't invent the steady camp shot.
0: <laughs> uh let's talk about being the Ricardos. I, I like many um Revered I Love Lucy, certainly I, I was watching it in, in reruns like many, and I, I'm curious, I, don't, I, I wonder even if this new generation encounters Lucille Ball or I Love Lucy in the same way that, that we all did. Um, is part of the, the ulterior motive of something like this, um, I don't know, just spreading the good word of what, what that show was and what a remarkable woman Lucille Ball was?
1: No, I really, I wasn't trying to uh, to introduce Lucille Ball uh, to a generation that probably hasn't been watching "I Love Lucy" reruns the way uh, the rest of us did. Uh, it was listen the, the the first thing that happens, the first thing I'm looking for, the only thing I'm looking for, uh, is do I have a chance? to write a good screenplay uh I'm, I'm not looking for a particular theme uh or uh, have an ulterior motive uh it's just like a batter looking for their pitch to hit mm. uh is there a chance just a chance uh that there's something in my head that can turn into a good screenplay and if the answer is yes then i'll really commit to it uh so todd black called me into his office in 2015 uh todd black's our producer and uh uh, asked me if I was interested in writing a movie about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Uh, I knew that, all I knew at that point was that I didn't want to do a biopic. Uh, I think that the it's hard to shake the structure of a biopic that audiences are so familiar with, the cradle-to-grave story, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, kind of a dramatized Wikipedia page. Uh, and what I learned in that first meeting and we would continue having meetings for 18 months before I committed to uh, to writing the movie. And I didn't know at that point that I was also going to be the director of the movie. But um, well, What I heard at that first meeting was that Lucy had been accused of being a communist, which I never knew. <clears throat> so I kind of asked around. I wanted to see if I was the only one who didn't know that. Uh, and it I turned out that nobody knew that. Um, <clears throat> and then, excuse me, I kept finding points of friction uh, in... Her relationship with Desi and her relationship with Jess Oppenheimer and her relationship with uh, Vivian Vance uh, that I, I thought were very interesting. But most interesting to me, because he asked me, was this to introduce a new generation uh, to, to Lucille Ball, is that the the people uh, uh, have an intense relationship. Uh, uh, with Lucille Ball except it's not with Lucille Ball it's with Lucy Ricardo Uh, and they have I've discovered that people have a very hard time separating Lucy and Desi from Lucy and Ricky Uh, and Lucy and Desi are not at all like Lucy and Ricky Lucille Ball doesn't even look like Lucille Ball Uh, uh, because when we think of Lucille Ball the image you're going to get in your head is Lucy Ricardo just like when you think of Charlie Chaplin, the image you're going to get is the little tramp, and yep. those two didn't look anything alike. Uh, so I, I, I was, I was rather than the idea of introducing Lucille Ball to a new generation, which is fine with me. That would be a bonus. Um, uh, it seemed fun uh, to show how much more complicated the lives of the real people were than the than the lives of the people where we find so much comfort in that living room.
0: You you mentioned structure, and it's one of the points I definitely wanted to talk to you about because I I, I agree with you. I you know I, I've grown up and I've watched a lot of Cradle to Grave biopics, and some have been great, but for whatever reason, maybe we've seen too many, maybe it's just not in fashion. They don't work on me as well as they used to. Um, and you've you know you've confronted this in different ways before with Jobs, et cetera, um, And you always find a very interesting, unique structure in. Um, how do you arrive at like what the structure is going to be? I mean, the events in this film um, are not necessarily the events that happen in this one week, but you, you know you use artistic license to, to put them together. Is What's the process in finding like what my way in? Do I need a narrator? Do I need yeah. like, some bookends? What happens?
1: Sure. Uh, well, first, I just I, I want to be clear that I am not, not a fan of Cradle to Grave uh, biopics. Um, I, I'm a sucker for them, uh, as a matter of fact. I, I will watch each and every one of them. I just feel like uh, there is a cap on how good it can be <clears throat> because we can, we can feel the structure already. We're not going to be surprised by much in terms of the kind of storytelling it is. Um, uh, n- no harm in that. It just doesn't seem like something I could do well. And again, I'm just, I'm looking for the opportunity to do well. Right. Uh, with a structure. Um, uh and by the way, building myself a structure is important. I'm go- I hope you'll excuse me while I compare myself to a cute animal. But when you on the animal. Know- <laughs> When you bring <laughs> home a new puppy, uh, they tell you to get a crate that is just big enough for the puppy to be able to turn around in, but no bigger. Because that tight space, those confines um, give the puppy security, uh, it makes the puppy less nervous. And uh, I- I'm the same way. Uh, I it's why most of what I write is people talking in rooms um, uh, if if I even type the letters EXT period exterior I, I suddenly start to get dizzy okay because I don't know where people enter from uh, or exit to I can't see the walls I can't see anything around me uh, uh, we're just kind of always in a park or something like it's a dream it, it just doesn't have dimensions um, So, uh, in this case, uh, one of my early thoughts was, uh, what if I could set this during one production week of I Love Lucy, Monday table read to Friday audience taping, uh, am I perverting history by taking three events, um, Lucy being accused of being a communist, uh, uh, Lucy getting pregnant, uh, uh, during the season at a time when a woman absolutely could not be pregnant, uh, on television, uh, and the third, uh, Desi showing up on the cover of Confidential Magazine with another woman and the headline, Lucy's, uh, Desi's Wild Night Out, uh, which chronicled an evening of infidelity. Um, uh, could I take those things, which actually happened o- over two years, and put them into one week uh, to maximize the, the pressure on Lucy and Desi? You know, what you want to do as a dramatist is you take your protagonist or protagonists you give them a strong intention and uh, you put in front of them as many formidable obstacles as possible. Yep. Uh, and the tactics they use in overcoming that obstacle, that's going to be your story. Um, so uh, I thought, no, it's it's not a perversion of history to do that. That's a um, uh, that's just a storytelling construct. Uh, and so suddenly I had my little puppy crate uh that i could operate in and uh things started to feel better
0: there's so many insightful things you said there and now unfortunately for the rest of the conversation i'm imagining you as a puppy in a crate crate. so thanks for that aaron
1: sure uh (laughs) you got it uh with the social network um as uh, we got there was so much i didn't know when i was starting out but what i did know was that there were. Two simultaneous depositions going on, right. uh, two different lawsuits uh, brought against Mark Zuckerberg, uh, and I thought, all right, there's a structure. Um, uh, you know, two parallel uh, depositions. This it'll this will be fun to tell the story this way.
0: It, it must be a huge like dam breaking moment in like the process of writing a script. Once you have that, it's not the same. Is, the rest is easy, but it, it it's certainly you you're you have a path.
1: Yes, you feel great for six minutes. And then you realize, okay, you've got a structure
0: now. I'm going to
1: build a page now. <laughs> no. You're going to have to tell the story, you know. Right. <laughs> People are going to kind of expect that.
0: One, one thing that I that I, I was very impressed by this film, and, I, and I'll compare it oddly to a documentary I saw recently, it's, it's a very difficult to depict creativity, the spark of creativity yes. in film. Um, and I experienced this watching your film, and I also experienced watching the, re- the recent Beatles documentary by Peter Jackson, uh, where we eavesdrop on uh, essentially the creation of a, a brilliant song by Paul McCartney. Um, from your perspective as a writer, um, talk to me a little bit about the challenge of, of, of approaching someone like a Lucille Ball, who obviously had a brilliant mind for, for comedy and, and, um, and how you depict that on screen in a, in a way that conveys what she's feeling but also is entertained to so the audience it's a lot it's a lot of balls to have up in the air i would imagine
1: it is and you're absolutely right it, it, it's a real challenge uh dramatizing creative genius a- any kind of genius really but uh, um uh, at, at least you know if it's uh, goodwill hunting genius uh, there's a whiteboard uh, that you can <laughs> write a lot of indecipherable <laughs> equations on, uh, and it looks like genius to me. Right. Uh, uh, creative genius is a is a little tougher. Uh, in this case, uh, with being the Ricardos, uh, what I decided to do, uh, because I, I listen, I knew going in um, that while this absolutely was not going to be. The, the thing I, I didn't want it at all to be was an "I Love Lucy" cover band doing "I Love Lucy" greatest hits. Right, right. Um, uh, I get that when you're doing Bohemian Rhapsody, we are waiting for the songs. Okay, you know, we're waiting for Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, uh, but this couldn't be a thing where we're waiting for the Chocolate Factory or Vitamin vegemin uh, or anything.
0: Hey, you do at least happened? give us the grape stomping, so you give us a little, but a little more.
1: Song. I yes, I had to um uh for for the actress playing Lucy to be accepted for the character to be accepted by the audience she was going to have to show us a little Lucy Ricardo okay sure. yeah. and Desi was going to have to show us a little Ricky Ricardo so how do uh how do i deliver those moments to the audience how can i show them shards of uh, i love lucy throughout um uh why are they seeing that what's motivating that and what was motivating that, and here's how I got to kill two birds with one stone, was, oh, here is how I'll show uh, Lucy's creative genius. When we see those shards of I Love Lucy, we're going to be in Lucy's head, uh, okay? We're going to be at a table read, um, uh, and I'm going to get some very tight shots of a pencil tapping of her script, uh, and and then we're going to do a push-in um, uh, on her as we're going. And we're going to see that she is able to game out uh, at a table read what that joke is going to look like Friday night, if it's going to work for the audience. Is there a logic problem? Whether she's at the table read, whether she's being pitched a story in the writer's room, uh, whether it's during rehearsal, we can do that from time to time. And uh, that will show what I'm trying to show, which is that she is uh, a comedic chess master, that she's the smartest person in the room, when it comes to this, she's the highest comedy IQ uh, in the room, and it gives the audience um, uh, a little dose of I Love Lucy. It,
0: it which must be we are required to do. Of course, it, it must be endlessly satisfying for you to see the praise, not only for the film but for these performances. And I'll mention Nicole in particular, who, as you well know, like you know, there were the skeptics once she was announced. Like, oh, does she look like her enough? Is it going to work? And and it sounds like Nicole had those that those, those kind of whispers got to her in effect when, when that was uh, in the ether. I'm curious for you, and I don't want to diagnose you as a neurotic, but I do feel we share <laughs> some common blood. Um, <laughs> as a neurotic, how do you alleviate the neuroses of your actor that's feeling,
1: <laughs>
0: feeling pause as they approach production? Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm glad you asked me about this because um, uh, I, I, I want to answer the question uh, as fully as possible. Um, even though I I think I'm the last person on earth who doesn't have any social media accounts, uh, obviously I'm, you know, you, you become aware of what's going on in the world of social media. And I was aware that on Twitter there was a group and it's, it's never clear to me if it's a couple of dozen people or a thousand people, you can, can never really tell, uh, but, but that there were people, um, who thought that Nicole had been miscast and they were very, very angry about that. Uh. Those people were at a disadvantage because I had read the script and knew what the movie was about, uh, and and they didn't. Uh, the role wasn't Lucy Ricardo that I was casting; it was Lucille Ball. As I said, she was going to have to, you know, tip her hat to uh, uh, to Lucy Ricardo and and do those uh, uh, black and white moments. But the whole point is that Lucille Ball is a completely different person from Lucy Ricardo. Uh, now, uh, and, and I knew that, uh, Nicole was going to hit it out of the park. As far as Nicole's nervousness, uh, I, am now of the mind that, that Nicole Kidman is, is, uh, the bravest woman in show business. Uh, she going in, uh, uh she had a right to be nervous. Uh, this is a very challenging role. Uh, you're playing an icon. You're playing somebody that, as I said, people really feel strongly about. She was not going to come in under the radar. People were going to have things to say. Uh, and so when a few weeks before uh, shooting started, the same Todd Black, the producer, uh, called me and said, uh, listen, you know, Nicole, it, it, it's OK. It's OK. But uh, I think she's a little nervous and and you should talk to her. Uh, I, so I did, uh, and I, I told her that I was not going to be the first director in the world who was unable to get a phenomenal performance from Nicole Kidman. Um, uh, and that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living and dying with this movie and I would not cast someone I didn't have complete confidence in, uh, to play this role. And I reminded her, uh, and this was the most important thing, because the first thing I told Nicole and Javier and J.K. and Nina was I don't want you doing an impersonation uh, of the real people. This isn't Vegas. You aren't Elvis impersonators. There's not going to be any prosthetics uh, or, or anything like that. I want you to play the characters in the script. Just play the characters in the script. And I reminded Nicole that in To Die For, she was playing Pamela Smart. But because they changed the names of everyone to die for, she was completely free to not have to do a Pamela Smart impersonation and to create to play the character that was in the script. Uh, And and that that is all I wanted her to do here. Um, I know there was only one physical thing uh, uh, that I was asking of her, and that was I needed two different voices. Uh, Lucy Ricardo should be about an octave higher than Lucille Ball. Uh, who smokes a lot and has a a deep voice. Um, And then I did want to see that contrast. That was no problem for her. Nonetheless, Nicole had spent the few months leading up to the start of photography uh, learning Lucy's physicality, the way she moves her arms, the way she uses her hands. Um, And she had learned every square inch of the I love Lucy moments uh, in the show she just worked with a coach and a monitor in sydney australia looking at that grape stomping scene um, and memorizing every inch of it which i didn't know on the day we were shooting the grape stomping scene Uh, we had uh it was a 39 day shoot and two of those days were for the i love lucy scenes and i had carved out three or four hours that morning to just sit with nicole and look at a playback monitor uh and watch the scene we'd shoot it by inches Um, you know, okay, she puts her left hand on the fireplace mantle and turns to Ethel here. That's how far we'll go. I was going to do it like that. And I came in and she had already learned it. Uh, so Nicole, who at this point could easily be resting on her laurels, okay, uh, does not have to take risks with her reputation. She did. Uh, she took a big one. It was a big risk, and I think it's a huge payoff. And I think you started out by asking me if I take pride in the praise that the actors are getting, you better believe it. <laughs> Not because I had much to do with the quality of their performances, um, uh, but because uh, they, they all grabbed at this with both hands, uh, really committed to it, and their performances are so good, so enjoyable. Um, I I could watch Javier do Cuban Pete all (laughs) day long.
0: One of the many things I think you do exceptionally well, and I I felt this on Chicago 7 as well, is this like, sneaky poignancy that kind of sneaks that kind of like creeps up and by the end you're like wait I why are are my eyes getting moist Mm -hmm. um and um you know without ruining the, the, the film too much it's not the kind of film you really ruin but like one of the themes that emerges is how work how the how how the Lucy Ricardo character and how that 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 show was her safe haven in a way an idealized world where her husband wasn't cheating on her and and she always got a laugh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a that's a powerful notion, and and it's it's something that I feel like you know while most of us don't star in our own sitcoms, we do have different places where we find solace and peace. And I'm curious for you, do you relate to that? Has has work been a safe harbor for you at times when you needed it, or 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 what?
1: God, that's. Um, that's exactly right, uh, Josh, uh, this, I, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a therapy session, but that's exactly right. Uh, I could very much relate to what Lucy was saying, which helped because I was the one who wrote what Lucy was saying, uh, uh that, um, you know, listen, also it was, uh, uh it, it was kind of a breakthrough in the screenwriting process. Uh, Lucy yearned for domesticity. Um, and uh, it just, w- sometimes I drive around in my car. It's, it's another form of pacing and climbing the walls. I'll drive around in my car and try to uh, think of stuff by starting arguments with myself. Uh, and it occurred to me on one of these driving sessions, uh, huh, that's ironic, you know, that Lucy wanted a home and the most iconic line from the most iconic TV show of all time is, Lucy, I'm home. Right. Wait a second. <laughs> Hang on. Let me pull over right in my if, notes app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I can get to Lucy, I'm home. If that it can be the last line uh, of the movie um, and I can set that up, if I can set the table, uh, if, if I can articulate, you know, for instance uh, on their first date that her ambition is uh, Desi asked her, is to have a home. Um, if I can have Linda Lavin say she talked about home a lot, and then if I can write that speech for her on the soundstage where she talks about how she—it's—it's uh, it's like a fairy tale you tell a little girl about a witch who per- puts a curse um, uh, on a woman; she'll be adored by the man she loves as long as she stays on this patch of ground uh, right here. If I can do that successfully, then we're going to win with Lucy. I'm home.
0: Yeah. I'm curious. You know, so much, your work is, is so, so poured over um, by just fans, but aspiring screenwriters, et cetera. How aware are you of your own tics, your own motifs that you return to? And do you ever feel like, oh, I have to retire a trick that's in my bag of tricks that I've gone to the well too often in this? Or or do you not, does that not even concern you? If it works, it works. And I'm going to keep using X, Y, or Z.
1: Uh, that's not really the thought process it's more like this i can i only know how to write the way i write right um i i, I can't i've because i've tried to uh, to write like someone else a, a couple of times um uh, i i remember um when i had to adapt the play a few good men into the movie uh a few good men uh, and it was the first time i'd ever written a screenplay i'd never read a screenplay before and rob reiner was going to be producing and directing uh uh, this movie and uh uh, at at the time he was uh, at the top of his game was very important director uh and uh, i spent months i had a deadline and i I spent months just trying to think of what it is rob wants me to write uh what it is rob wants me to write and finally i was coming up on this deadline. And I had to give up on thinking that and just say, you know what? Um, You're just going to have to write the way you write as if that was a consolation, Uh, (laughs) that, that, that should be the second choice. Right. But, but, but that was just my first screenplay. And you would think that kind of thing would go away. It doesn't, it never does with the social network. uh, When it finally was time for me to, I I had figured out the first couple of scenes and it was time to write fade in. Okay. Uh, uh, It was time to start the car and go. Uh, it suddenly occurred to me, and it was going to be uh, uh, the scene with Jesse Eisenberg and Rooney Mara, uh, uh, you know, in the college bar. Uh, suddenly, uh, it occurred to me, these are the youngest characters I've ever written. Um, uh, even when I was their age, the characters that I wrote were, were older, uh, uh, these are the youngest characters I've ever written. They, they have to talk like young people um uh, and you know i i struggled for, uh, for a while on page one and then i went this is ridiculous uh, first of all there isn't one way young people talk uh, uh secondly i can only write the way i write i only know how to do that uh so they're they're gonna talk the way i write and the the exact same thing happened uh i have a, a play on broadway right now uh, to kill a mockingbird Uh, a a new adaptation uh, of that book. It's a slightly new take on on To Kill a Mockingbird. But when I started writing it, I started writing it trying to to be as gentle as possible and do an impersonation of Harper Lee. I I can't do a Harper Lee impersonation. I can't pretend I'm writing To Kill a Mockingbird in 1959. I had to be me writing it today. Um, So uh, you asked uh, am I aware of ticks and things like that uh what i'm aware of is that i uh have a writing style uh that is uh maybe a little bit different uh from other writing styles uh it's for better or for worse you recognize it uh, uh when you hear it usually uh and and then i Stop thinking about it because I can only write the way I know how to write. Right.
0: Well, this reminds me of something we talked about briefly last year when we were talking about Chicago 7. You know, I was asking the, the, the standard question, which is, you know, you can't have a conversation about filmmaking without talking about superhero films. And you were candid and said, look, I like some of them. Uh, it's not what I necessarily know how to do. I, I, I have a different question along the same lines about that stuff we didn't get into the kind of the, the ones that have resonated with you. I'm curious as a student of film and screenwriting, is there some, is there one in particular in that genre that stood out to you as, as one that's elevated the material uh, to a degree worth, worth chatting about?
1: Oh, I definitely think uh, uh, that there have been, I, I have, listen, I haven't, uh I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of, uh, of superhero films like uh, uh, some people do. I just haven't seen very many of them. But first of all, I can tell you, and I was a little kid um, uh, when I saw the first Superman, mm-hmm. uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman, yep. I-, I loved it. Uh, I, I love that movie. Um, and uh, you know, Joker uh, is as good a film as, as there is. Uh but um, people who write good superhero films uh, know what they're doing. Uh, they, they have an understanding of the genre that I don't have. Same with people who can write Westerns. Same with people who can write crime. Uh, they, they know something I don't. Uh, or they have a, a skill I don't.
0: Speaking of Westerns, we should talk comfort movies. Because as you know, I believe I've been asking folks for to pick a comfort movie, especially in these last two years when we've needed it more than ever. Um, and you've picked one that surprisingly has not been chosen yet, and it doesn't surprise me in the I'm shocked. I, it is shocking. It's a, It's written by a man that I know is dear to you. Um, yes. Can
1: you tell us a little bit about what film you chose? <laughs> I'm talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and William Goldman, who wrote a, uh, won an Oscar uh, for writing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, that, that movie is... Uh, is so good. Uh I you know I, I don't want to reduce it by calling it comfort food, but it, it is uh it, it is comfort food. Uh and there was a man, it William Goldman, uh he was a real genre writer. Um uh he would that that's the thing that he loved. He he would love uh uh you know, he completely understand uh, Westerns, he would completely understand thrillers, he would completely understand movies that have a supernatural element. Uh, and he always, no matter what genre he was in, he always wrote the way he writes. Uh, and it, it was simply the story that changed. you know, yep okay this one's got horses in it. Um, I know how to do horses. Uh, so uh, that movie, um, and, and yeah, obviously you got to give George Roy Hill uh, a credit too, and Redford and Newman. Uh, no, uh, right? Yeah, and, and that, that, that's it's a perfect movie.
0: <laughs> Do you remember? I mean, you must have had reverence for it before you even knew. Oh you? yeah,
1: sure. Um, I was yeah, uh, again, I I was a little kid the first time I saw it. I I think so young that I I there were parts of it I I remember not understanding. Um. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a movie I've seen it a couple of hundred times, probably. Uh, so I, I had a reference for it long before, um, William Goldman came into my life, uh, which was incredible. I, I, had just written the play, A Few Good Men, uh, in my mid twenties and we were going into rehearsal, uh, in a couple of months and, um, people were kind of passing the play around and, and reading it. Uh, and one of those people who read it was, was Bill Goldman who called me one day and asked me if I wanted to have lunch with him. And I was 95% sure that one of my friends was playing a joke on me. But on that 5% chance <laughs> that they uh, they weren't, that it was for real, I showed up at that restaurant when I was supposed to. How did he,
0: and, if you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just going to say he, um, it's, it's maybe an overused word, but he became my mentor. Uh, at that point, what he volunteered to do. Uh, uh, he said, um, I, I think I can turn you into a screenwriter. Uh, and uh, he, he, he passed away a few years ago, right. but um, until the day he did, he was always the first person I showed pages to.
0: I, I'm curious if you'll indulge me to dive a little bit more into Butch Cassidy. Like what is, uh, you know, it's hard to reduce it to one or two elements, but what is the miracle from a screenwriter's perspective? of that film? What do you point to and say 99% of other films just yeah. didn't capture it. Um, every, uh,
1: every scene in the film is perfect. Uh, it, it's about much more than a Western is usually uh, about. Um, it's about the times they are a-changing, uh, right? Um, these two were the last the last outlaws. Uh, they, they were the ones who had to turn off lights. <laughs> uh, it, it broke a number. Uh, of rules uh, the, in westerns uh, the the heroes don't run away uh, and they definitely don't run away to South America and uh, here comes a big spoiler, close your ears anyone out there who hasn't seen Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid they don't die in the end of the movie um, and Bill did all those things but what he also did was he uh, until then, Buddy comedies, uh buddy stories were Bob Hope and
0: uh and Crosby.
1: Thank you. I don't yeah. know why i was spacing on Ben Crosby. Uh and this was uh, this was really good comedy. Uh you know, it it helped that you had the two perfect movie stars in it. Uh but it, it when have there ever been that many laughs in a western? <laughs> you know, that wasn't blazing saddles. That wasn't, a, a comedy, uh, which, which, which casting the sentence kid isn't, it just happens to have more laughs than most comedies. Right. Um, think about the fact that, and, and I'm sure this is a lot of what appealed to me. Uh, think about the fact that we're talking about a Western and when people talk about the movie, they quote dialogue, you know, um, Every once in a while, there'll be a Western that has a we don't need no stinking badges, uh, a line that people can quote. Um, but usually when people think about a Western, it's the shootout scene, and that kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, we wanted more talking.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, probably a bad analogy, but in some ways, it, it's the way you're talking about. It, it makes me think of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which, yes, has some of the best action set pieces ever made, but also is just crackling, witty, fantastic,
1: fantastic screenplay. Yeah. Fantastic screenplay.
0: Do you have a, an appetite for another TV series right now? You've zigged where others have zagged. Every filmmaker is now making TV and <laughs> who, who obviously had so much success in television has now doubled down on your film uh, directing career.
1: Well, I think that, um, uh, you know, I think that so many uh, great filmmakers are, are are doing television. So many great actors are, uh, are doing television because uh, the best theater in America is on television right now. You know, television got great. Uh, uh, so great, one more. You know, one more place to 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 tell stories. I love series television, and if I get an idea uh, for a series, uh, I'll I'll start working out and uh, and do series television. For me, what was always so tough. Uh, uh, about series television was that if you're writing a movie or you're writing a play and it's not going well uh, uh, you're you're stuck you know it's you can tell it's coming out like a new bottle of ketchup Um, uh, you need to step away from it uh, okay you've done something wrong you need to rethink it so if, if you're doing a writing a movie or a play and you need to step away from it you can call the producer call the studio call whoever is waiting for it and say i know i said i was going to deliver the first draft in june It's probably going to be more like september they may not like it but they get they get it Um, uh, and you're okay with television you have hard deadlines you have air dates uh to meet which means that you have to write even when you're not writing well when you should be stepping away from it and rethinking it you're plowing through uh even though you've got a, a, a pebble in your shoe and you've got to take that script that you knew you weren't writing well and you got to put it on a table for the cast and the crew and then you've got to point a camera at it and the, that's a really tough pill to swallow in
0: your story television career is there a week that would dramatically make for a good story uh <laughs> a la what you've done in being the Ricardos?
1: Um, that's an interesting question uh the answer is and i'm sorry to be coy the answer is yes i've never thought about it before but the answer is yes but i can't tell you what it was
0: <laughs> well it's just a reason to keep our yeah. conversations going year after year one day i'll wear you down okay
1: i'm sure you will <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I uh, doubt about it. When, when we talked uh last time we made some news when, you know, I talked to you a little bit about social network and you basically said, like, you definitely want to do the follow up. You just need David Fincher to say, I want to direct the follow up. Well, you've had about 14 months. Have you gotten anywhere with Mr.
1: I <laughs> said there are two Fincher. things I, I, I need to do. Um, uh, I, I need to get David Fincher uh, uh, to direct the follow up and I need an idea. <laughs> For, for what the movie But it seemed like you were inspired I, I, by Zucked. It seemed like there yeah, was I don't know, a I get it. And and um uh I uh listen there's obviously there is more story to tell uh after the, the social network ends. Um uh but I, I don't have in my head a clear idea uh f- for exactly what story to tell and how to tell it. Um and uh I can promise you uh, I'm David Fincher is not going to say yes to uh, an empty script. <laughs> uh, so but um uh like I said there there is more story there and I I hope one day soon I get an idea.
0: Um, I know you don't have extra scripts lying around. You were saying you've had the luxury of basically producing everything you've ever written, which is remarkable. Yeah. Um, so where are you at post being the Ricardos? Is it an empty page, or do you have a specific uh, project you're working
1: on? For the first time in a long time, I don't know what I'm doing next. Um, It's for the last several years, um, uh, six, seven, eight years. uh, I I always, while I was doing something, I always knew what the next thing uh, was.
0: How does that Uh, feel? How does that sit with you?
1: On the one hand, uh, uh, nicely. I'm not feeling the pressure of I'm already behind on the next thing and I don't have an idea. Um, on the other hand I don't have an idea uh, uh, and so uh, you know you I I've never finished writing anything and uh, felt like I was gonna be able to write the next thing I've never finished writing an episode of the West Wing and felt like I was gonna be able to write the next episode of the West Wing I was always certain that i've run out of stories i have used every word i know in every order i can think of i uh, that's it uh I, i'm i'm done now uh and uh so on the one hand i have i, I like not feeling the pressure of uh whatever's next on the other hand i kind of like to feel the pressure of whatever's next um I, I i would i'd love to have an idea well i'm putting
0: the pressure on to figure out the social network sequel so consider the yeah would you please uh, last thing for you, um, you know, we, we've talked th- about these last couple films, like as like, a, you know, you as a burgeoning, you know, uh, filmmaker, does it feel like three films in as a director, you have somewhat approaching the confidence you have as a screenwriter? When you look at this latest film, do you see a progression yourself? Or are you satisfied with where you've you've come to on this third film as a filmmaker?
1: I do see a progression. Uh, I'm very happy with where I was uh, on the uh, with um, being Ricardo's uh i'm I'm gaining confidence. I don't think that I will ever have uh, uh the confidence as a director that I have as a writer. I just don't think that I have uh the visual sensibility. Uh, I um I, I tend to hear things much more than, than I see them Uh, And so when I'm writing, you know, what what a line sounds like is as important to me as uh, as what it means. Uh, And when I work with someone like David Fincher and I watch him composing a frame, um, uh, he just he thinks of things I know that I won't ever think of. Uh, So what I try to do um as a director first of all if i have a strength as a director it's knowing what my weaknesses as a director are uh so i put in key positions people like jeff cronin with uh who shot the social network and john huttman um who was uh well he was the production designer on the west wing but he's also the production designer on quiz show which was the look that i wanted for being with ricardo's like alan Baumgarten, the editor um and uh, uh so i try to put uh people in those positions, uh, who will do more than take instructions, they'll have a better idea than I'll have. Um, And and I try to play to my strengths, I, I, uh, uh, you know, just get the actors uh, giving the the performance they need to give. uh, And uh, hope to put it all together in post.
0: Well, I, I would venture to say you're a bit humble because this, as I was writing my notes the second time watching this, like it brought me back to obviously a time I didn't live in, but um, you know, I think back to like a great film, like quiz show that also kind of transported me in that kind of like luxurious other era. And and this yeah. film, this film does that as well, as well, you know, that that's, that's the bells and whistles. That's the icing on the cake is to kind of live in this world. Um, yes. And then, and then it's, it's, these fine performances and these, this amazing script as always. And um, you're three for three as a filmmaker, sir. And I I always appreciate this now annual masterclass you give me
1: in how you do what you do. Uh, What a, what a thing to say. It's great talking to you as always, Josh, and uh, I hope we do it again next year.
0: And so ends another edition of happy, sad, confused. Remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured <laughs> to do this by Josh. <laughs>